Hello everyone, my name is Monica Kretschmer and I'm the founder and CEO of the Universal Women's Network, Woman of Inspiration, and this is the Woman of Inspiration podcast, where we talk to extraordinary women doing remarkable things locally, nationally, and globally. Now, these are women of inspiration that have paved a path and continue to lead by example. And today with me is Karen Onseth. And Karen, I just want to make sure that I get the, the acronym, which is you're the CEO of DASH, which is the direct action in support of community homes so it's a massive role um i know that we talked previously about your journey to get to the stage where you're ceo of dash so let's start with your story well and i think more specifically let me just for those that are watching and listening right now i I need to get the date on the record so right now is very timely of course, March 11th, um, only weeks ago, this is um, April the 11th. So March 11th, April 11th was WHO declared a global pandemic. Nobody saw this coming um, or those that saw what was happening never in a million years dreamed that we could be in the space where we are and where schools are shut down, where businesses are shut down airlines are reduced um really you're confined to your home where you're told to stay home and everybody around the world is experiencing the same thing so the reason why i thought this was so important to have these conversations with such remarkable women especially right now is to tell your story of the adversity look at where you are now and inspire hope for the people that are listening that, you know, we're going to get through this. We are going to get through this. Use this time as a beautiful gift for growth. So Karen, I know that you have a really heroic story. I have to say, like I almost get kind of chills and goosebumps thinking about it because I truly believe we're not tested. We would never test ourselves personally as much as outside (laughs) influences could test. Definitely so where not. did that start for you? Wow, my story. Okay, I guess it goes back to the very beginning, right? Childhood. I, I was raised by a wonderful set of parents. My mom, uh, you know, we were not privileged by any sense. Uh, well, by any sense. My mom was a factory worker and a seamstress. And my dad delivered furniture for Eaton's way back in the day and um, they were loving parents but really didn't have much at all so we grew up in a household where my mom oh I just had this memory where we would stand at the grocery store and my mom would add up everything in her grocery cart and have to put things back and um, put things back before we get to the cashier and Many times we stood at the cashier having to take things back because it was over the amount of money she had in her wallet. So those were my roots. And you know what? They're proud, very proud. My mom's still alive. And um, my mom especially, my dad as well, they had a saying. um, And I heard uh, heard somebody else had this, a dear friend had it. um, His parents lived by it as well, that a good name always forever endures 
And um, my parents really lived by that. They had their name and it would always be a good name. And um, there was power in that. So that's how they raised us. And um, I think that itself is really what put me on the path to do well, uh, just in that we all make mistakes, but really don't go out there, don't flaunt it, don't intentionally share an error you make, learn from it, don't gossip, and always, always be proud of your name. So that's really where it started. Extremely powerful. Um, you know, the foundation, the roots, and the humble beginnings that, you know, I've heard stories shared are really what grounds us. You yes. know, as we build and grow, it grounds us. It makes us relatable. It does. And, and you know, my parents were always the type. My dad was a strong, silent Norwegian type. And, um, and my mom was, uh, she was fabulous. She always said, tell me everything you're doing. You know, share your stories with me. So she built, a, there was a culture of trust that was built in my household from, you know, share your stories as a teenager when you come in the door and you've been out. And um, I remember thinking, yeah, that's going to go over well. And um, I tried it a couple times and she was never upset. She would listen and say, well, how'd that work out for you? And not so good, mom. And, um, and I think from that bonding as well, trust became a very, very important. Uh, trust became very important to me and my family. And it still is, um, even at the office, my, um, our director or our chief human resources officer says that you hire based on gut and you hire based on trust. I mean, of course, the core competencies have to be there. But to this very day, you know, that, that strong gut instinct has been instilled in me. So you, you have trust and you have a great foundation, but things have not been easy for you. You oh. did not have a path that was paved with roses, per se. So no. tell me about some of the challenges that you experienced. Well, again, you know, growing up, uh, you know, that way and I, you know I had to get my first job at 15 because you know my parents were struggling and really couldn't afford much so um, you know as of 15 years of age both my brother and I he was younger than I you know got jobs to support and pay rent at home and um, you know we really dreamed of how to support our family and you know, I remember sitting on a swing set one time and I was only 14, so I couldn't get a worker's permit, but figuring out what I might do with, you know, an extra $50 a week, because back, back then that's what you earned and, you know, the things that, that you'd buy your parents. So, yeah, so, you know, we, we, we learn to give and to share and support family, but no, it, it was not easy. You know, we had to, I had to make it on my own because there was no support system. I, uh, graduated high school early at um, 16 and a half so I could I could work and I was given a scholarship to Western and um, it wasn't fully paid it was close but we couldn't afford it all right so education went by the wayside and uh, I started working as a secretary back at about 16 17 years of age and realized really quickly that, uh, you know, that wouldn't really get me anywhere at all. 
And um, so I tried to start my own company and um, just doing special events and basically whatever a hotel or a shopping center or a restaurant wanted to have coordinated, I just went in with a girlfriend that we started this company with and said, sure, we can do it. And we didn't have a hot clue. <laughs> so it was, um, it was really just, you know, be confident, work super, super hard to figure out how to do something, to figure out how to put on a promotion in a mall or a hotel or a, whatever was asked of us. We just went and did it. And at that point, you know, without the privilege of an education or going off to university at that early age, and um, it went really well. And the reason it went really well is it was 18 hour days. You know, we kept our day jobs and then we worked, you know, so that was eight hours. And then we worked in the evenings and weekends, you know, another eight hours on evenings and weekend days and sometimes holding down three jobs at a time. Now, I know a little bit about the, the person, the individual that you partnered with. Um, uh, she is a woman of inspiration uh, for 2019, another remarkable person. Um, and so was there a mindset of survival that you both had that sort of helped you through that process? Absolutely, because you know, and again, you know, you know, the person I'm talking about who had a survival instinct and, and I did as well, you know, it was all about staying with my parents, keeping the house, knowing that in order to get ahead in life, you know, bless everything that they had done for us, I and my brother, we had to take care of them. And, you know, if my dad was not able to work, there would be no one that could take care of me. There would be no income, there would be no nothing. So I had to really get it together really quickly or I would have nothing. And my parents would have nothing if I didn't succeed. So from a young age, you had a, a fearless mindset almost where in you're living in survival mode. And I, you know, look at that survival mode. It, it's not short term, it's long term. But the coping mechanisms that we learn during that survival mode period are life enhancing. Would you agree? Absolutely. You know, once you once you break through that barrier, And realize that you have you can't have fear, right? You just you just have to do it. Um, fear only suspends you. It holds you back. It sickens your body. And I had to teach myself that fear is only harmful. And you have to just package it away, compartmentalize it, tuck it away in a box in your dreams. I used to go to bed at night and pack, um, picture packing away my fears in a box and wrapping it up with duct tape. And, and then every time that box would start to open, I mean, I would dream that to give me the strength to go on the next day and um, not be scared to do what I was doing. I mean, I was a little girl in a man's world back then. And um, there was no room to be scared. So I also know that that strength, you also had to tap into again later in life. So you got married, uh, 
Um, yes. Eventually, um, you have two beautiful daughters that we talked about there. Yes. <laughs> um, two beautiful daughters that are, um, you know, it's still with you in Winnipeg because you are in Winnipeg, yes. um, right in the center of, of Canada here. So tell us maybe about that journey because there's so many people, so many women that I've met um, that have experienced similar things like you and I and I would just love you to share your story because it's such an inspiring story of strength through that wave through that chapter in your book well uh, yes I mean I, I spent a lot of years working and um, you know doing everything I could to never have to rely on another person and that was not about relying on a man or it was, it was not about that in any way whatsoever. It was just about self-preservation. And, you know, it's it's a lesson I've tried to teach my daughters. And, and you know, my friend group is, is similar, right? We just really need to learn how to rely on ourselves before I think we're strong enough to allow somebody in our lives. And it has to be equal, uh, an equal relationship. So, yes, I waited until about 36 years of age to... Uh, get married and it did not work it was a very challenging relationship uh, I went back my mom said seven times I think it was probably more than that and um, kept trying to fix it and make it better and uh, it didn't work out and, um, for a lot of reasons so there was a lot involved in that, and um, I remember the first time that I realized things were really not going to work out was after my second daughter was born, and I remember sort of putting them to sleep in my in my bed and looking down at an eight-month-old and looking at my kids are 16 months apart, so my other one would have been just two-ish, and. Uh, and sort of looking down at one on each side of me thinking how on earth can I do this how on earth can I do my job go to work every day raise these two kids and and I mean power to all of us single moms that come through tough circumstances on top of it right so it was uh very difficult, difficult situation for a number of years after. And um, so I think for those of us that have gone through the unspeakable. To speak about it. I just, you know, I, I can't. I think it's now time to talk about, you know, leaving a situation is one thing, but having to endure what you and I have both endured in the court system, Karen, is some, is we could get on with our lives way quicker if there wasn't barriers there. And I think that we all need to start talking about it. And, you know, I, it's, it's something that is really near and dear to my heart. So that's why you and I connected so deeply was that yes. it's for sure given us this superhuman power, but I could do without that power some days, you know, like if I had to erase like 13 years of dealing with it, mm -hmm. I would be 
you know, I, I mean, for sure I would not be where I am because I've been tested, but I could have, I, I would have loved to have that peace in my life. And why does it have to be that way? And I don't know, you know what, unfortunately the court system has not changed. Um, you know, the, I look back on the ridiculousness of that whole situation that we get drawn into with the court system that's supposed to be there to help everyone, you know, men and women alike. And it really just destroys even what could be left of a family. And, uh, and once you get in, I mean, all they do is take your money for, for, for nothing, right? It's just, uh, there should not even be a family court system, frankly. It's painful and it, it hurt everybody. So how many years were you in the court system? I would say 12, 14, definitely between 12 and 14 years because you're back in and out, right? Once, once you're in, once, once you are in, you are forever in. And I've counseled a number of people to do their best not to even step in. Just the angst, the anxiety, the pain, uh, the pain for your kids, pain for everyone, um, what it does to your health. And, um, and I'm a really, really strong person. Uh, train myself to be. And I, oh, that thing can break you. Just about did. So after the rebuilding part is probably one of the hardest things. And at what point through that process were you actually able to start rebuilding? You know, I have my girls, you know, I always have my girls to hug and I had good friends. Um, I guess I was able to start rebuilding when I talked about it. Uh, I didn't. I remember a very good friend of mine. I had been um, on my own for three years and she was a close friend. So of course I've got, you know, two that I consider BFFs for life that go back to being 16 and 17. But this person was pretty close to me. Uh, probably been friends about 10, 12 years and um, and I finally told her and um, she was stunned I had gone through it all. So I guess I guess just leaning in and talking to people about it was gives you strength. I didn't talk about it when I was going through it because I didn't want advice. I didn't want to break down more. I just, again, compartmentalized it, tucked it away in that box in my head and did my best to pretend it wasn't there. And if I can add that not many people would understand it. So the inner circle knows about this much, but to be able to put yourself in somebody else's shoes, not knowing that mess is in the, in the depth of the destruction 
connectedness, it's hard to explain to somebody unless you've actually walked that path before. Yes. Yes. And, um, and I'm also a strong believer that you keep your problems to yourself. And, uh, you know, it's a tough world out there. It's a tough world in, in, in your career. There's a lot of people that uh, do choose to judge, a lot that don't, a lot that don't. I've had wonderful employers over the years. I've had wonderful relationships when I ran my own company, uh, but I kept it all quiet because nobody wants to hear that. No one wants to see you weak and no one wants to wonder if your focus is not on your job. So that was my approach. Interesting. So looking back, <clears throat> do you, and accomplishing everything that you've accomplished and then bits and pieces of your story coming out, I don't know how much you, I, I, I don't know actually if this is one of the first times that you've started speaking about, um, you know, your experiences. Um, it's taken a long time to get to this point. When did you start talking about your experiences? Right now, and I'm very uncomfortable. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're doing so, great. You're doing amazing. I, yeah, I, so. I just have to um, ask because I, I know how raw it is. And every time that we talk about it, it's like, okay, what? how can I help serve? And I think it's the message of your story and your strength is probably one of the most beautiful things and the most amazing gifts that you can give to somebody is by having the courage to share because it's not that you're doing it to um it's your story it's your book and if those that are watching or listening or know somebody it's it's inspiring them that they can get through this and then also i think by us talking about it karen I do believe that we can make some changes out there because it's destined to happen. We have to make some changes. Nobody should have to go through what we have gone through for that many years and have to be silent about it. Number one, because we don't want people to judge us. <clears throat> we're, you know, we're too private for that. Number two, it would harm us in the court system if we ever did talk about it. So we're protecting our kids, right? And there's so much that needs to be done in that system with family law. And the only people that are able to talk about it are the survivors like you and I that have triumphed through that. So I just wanna say thank you. Thank you for having the courage and the bravery for sharing it because I know it's hard. Well, thank you for saying that. I, I yep, first time <laughs> and uh, but I, I agree with you. You know, it's really important and um, and I, I do, I believe times have changed career-wise now uh, that uh, it's easier to talk about for women, maybe. Uh, you know, I, I would ask that to your listeners. I, I can't really speak for it because I'm at a certain point in my career and I did grow up through the times where you know there were very few female CEOs and I mean there still is but uh, it was a very male dominated world when I was growing up so you had to have that stiff upper lip and you just absolutely didn't talk about it but um, as you mentioned about yeah courage courage yes and um, it's an important word and sharing it with others because I believe we can get through 
anything and everything. We just can't, just don't crawl up, curl up into that ball. You know, sometimes we need to, but then we have to dust ourselves off really, really quickly and get back out there. My mom always said to me, don't cry. It just gives you a headache and red eyes and then it's difficult to get back up. Just don't cry. Well, I can say that tears actually, they make my skin tighter. Oh, there you go. But it makes skin tighter. So every once in a while, a good cry is a good thing I like, you know? Well, and you know what? I learned the hard way from the stiff upper lip, right? As you get older and you're raising kids and you experience love for your own children, it's impossible not to cry. Absolutely impossible. So it is very therapeutic. So I want to talk about, now we've talked about dusted, we've just dusted, tipped the iceberg of this amazing path and journey that you've had. Now, what people don't know is what you've managed to accomplish, which is awe-inspiring. In amidst of, you know, leaving a marriage, going through the court system, rebuilding your life, that mindset of fearlessness, of succeeding, um, raising two beautiful girls on your own as a single mom, you've also climbed the ladder through and you've advanced your career. So tell us about that career path and you went back to school. Yes. So let's talk about that. Well, I guess dusting myself off and and through that whole time, you know, I was CEO of Dash and, um, you know, when I, when I started, it was quite a small organization. I've been there for 18 years now. And, uh, and the reason I've stayed that long is because I have a fantastic board of directors and, um, and staff team as well. So when I started, we had about seven or eight locations. I remember it was 59 staff, so I do remember that. And and Dash looks after uh, individuals with intellectual disabilities, providing 24/7 care in homes throughout our city. So we have 59 uh, locations now, from the six or seven that we did back then. And um, so through the journey at Dash, we have expanded drastically to 700 and some staff now. We have foster care programs. We have rest fight programs, we have day programs for individuals, literacy training, Uh, we have a program called Dashworks that we just launched that is one of the first of its kind in Canada that we brought up from the United States that's a vocational training program for the individuals we support and also throughout the school system that are graduating uh, to assist those individuals in training in over 150 different jobs. We work with them, they get training, uh, we support them through that, and then we secure them employment because we believe that, and as they believe, they can do anything and they just haven't been given that opportunity. We've also launched uh, another new uh, company that is a social business to support Dash and uh, a for-profit business called Nurse Next Door. It's across Canada and the United States. So we've got that to Manitoba. So I'm the CEO of that company as well. And um, so throughout throughout my journey with, with Dash and the Dash Foundation and all that wonderful work, the organization also supported me to go back to 
finished, well, I finished my education years ago uh, in terms of a university degree, but I, one dream I always had was to go to Harvard and um, get my executive master's. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, I'll tell you what, after, ah, thank you, thank you. So uh, when I did um, apply, I was told the acceptance rate was 2.5% for that program globally. And um, they had just converted it from an executive master's to a um, an alumni program. So when you got accepted into the program, you got alumni status. So it was their general management program. And it was a five month condensed program. So they basically took their uh, master's program that was a two year program and condensed it into five months for individuals that had been in the workforce long enough and running large companies. So I went back to Harvard, I was accepted and, uh, no, I went to Harvard, was accepted and um, um, an alum and uh, have gone back to my first reunion. And um, wow, was that the best thing, one of the best things I've ever done in my career. It was fantastic connections from all over the world and it just elevates your thinking to a completely different level mm. so at 50 I went back to get my um, or further my education and and it was Harvard I couldn't believe I got accepted it was it was so exciting amazing and I just have to say congratulations again because that is a milestone massive milestone and then actually checking that box off at 50 where I truly believe that's when the fun just begins right yes yes, yes. It, it it was huge and um, and then I also got my uh, ICD designation it's called Institute of Corporate Directors so I did that in 47 so that was from the University of, uh, or the School of Rotman School of Business in U of T. And uh, that's an international designation that allows you to, or it's a designation to give you the credential to sit on boards of directors uh, of any type. Uh, and it's, again, it's an international designation. So at this point I serve on a number of boards, both locally and across Canada, and one that's international. Amazing. I just, I, I just look at everything that you've accomplished and to have this, you know, it's the story, I think, let's just go back to this point right now for listeners, is that we've heard your story, but we've also seen your successes, witnessed your successes. You're ruthless. You're tenacious. You're, you're driven beyond driven and you never give up. Like, no. never give up. And I just go right now, what we're experiencing, I just want to ask you, has your experience in your adversity helped you deal with the crisis right now? Definitely. Definitely. I think that it's going through tough times. And I believe we've all gone through tough times. We all have our own story. If we opened up and shared, we all have our own story. And um, but going through it, dusting yourself off, keeping going, gives you the ability to know you can do anything and you can get through this pandemic, you could get through anything. And it's all about, it's all about facts 
understanding the facts, not the fears, not listening to gossip. Uh, I refuse to listen to secondhand information. If I don't read it with my own eyes from a credible website, I will not repeat it. So, and our staff team is the same. You know, I've, I've said to them a number of times over the last while, particularly over the last while, that my leadership is transparent and I will not utter a word unless it is factual and I can back it up. So again, just um, dust ourselves off, go through, we have, we all go through that adversity, stay strong and it gives us the strength to plan, listen, hear. It also gives us empathy, mm. you know, empathy and understanding because it's really not about, it's not about business. You know, if you approach things with an open mind, empathy, and your heart on your shoulder, to some extent, right? Because it is it is work. People will see that kindness come through and they will leave without fear. They'll leave with facts and then they can get through it. So my question to you is, and I think you've probably just answered that, is how has the pandemic changed your way you lead? One thing that's different, uh, you know, and communication, there's never enough communication. And uh, so, as a CEO, the one thing that we that has really changed is everything is virtual right now. We've, from an IT standpoint, we've ensured all of our locations have the ability to have Zoom, Google Duo, um, Teams, whatever is possible. Um, and I think it's really important for people to see each other in, in times like this. So we've done that. I've also, and I've learned this over the years and, and I've tried to share it with as many people as possible. I have made even more of an attempt to be calm, to pay attention to not only what I'm saying and the tone, which I believe I always did, but in particular body language, how quickly you walk, you know, you can't appear frantic in any way. People, people will trust a leader that is calm and strong, transparent, and does not speak non-truths. So if you have all of that together, which, which I believe I'm, I'm doing, do I get frantic sometimes? Yes, but then I shut the door and you know, scream out loud. And then I open the door and make sure nobody sees that so that everyone stays calm again. And um, so I guess that's how, how it's changed. Just it's really taken me to a calmer level. So as a leader, I think now it's, and those aspiring to sort of grow within organizations, I think this is a real great opportunity put your best foot forward. So what words of advice would you give to those that are wanting to succeed or elevate their career 
from a leadership perspective right now, like now it's critical that if you want to, if you want to carve your path, mm -hmm. what words would you give them? Oh, uh, and I, and I have, and, and for everyone, leaders are being made every day right now, every hour. And leaders are not necessarily CEOs or directors of a department. We are all watching right now for true leadership that's coming up from grassroots. And again, speaking about what its essential employees are right now. Do your best. We're watching for people that stay calm or finding solutions are engaging, that can stay positive through this type of situation. And uh, so I would say, trust me, your boss is looking, people out there, maybe if you're not employed, people will notice you. They'll notice how you're even walking through this, the grocery store. And Walmart's hiring, different stores are hiring. So people are watching, we're watching. I hand out business cards when I'm out. Uh, for, we can, you can train anybody in most jobs. You can't train attitude, you can't train uh, commitment, you cannot train empathy. So those core values are what people are always looking for and everyone's watching for it right now. Amazing, thank you. Those are the juicy nuggets that I was looking for and you nailed it. It's, you know, I've had conversations with people that say right now, um, you know, look for your leaders in this because they're rising to the top. They're the ones that are gonna be natural leaders will lead. And so it's so important that if you're trying to go, what can I do? And you're not trying, you don't really know what to do, lead, lead, put your best foot forward and just go help serve others and be a role model in your own networks, in your own communities. It's so important because people need strong leadership right now. It's critical. You know, I think that absolutely people always need strong leadership, although they have to look inside because again, I believe so many people are, are leaders. They just don't have the confidence to lead. And sometimes it's, it's just trying, right? It's just, stepping up and offering a solution and not being shy. You know, we have staff. Uh, I have a, at the office, I, it's very important to me to always talk to all staff as much as I can. So I encourage any, any staff to email me directly if they have a question. And sometimes I'm not the right person to answer it, right? But I will get the right person and I love when I get those questions and, and, and then if, if I respond, someone will say, thank you so much. And then we'll get into a discussion about courage, right? Mm. Just have the courage to step out there, ask a question or make a decision because that's how you learn. Yes. You know, that's how you learn and you learn from your mistakes and believe you me, I have made plenty. <laughs> I have made plenty. <laughs> And um, as long as you don't make the same mistake twice, you're on the right trajectory. You're going straight up. Amazing. And so Karen, as a female leader and a CEO of a company, you've actually, the stats, what was, you had taken Dash from, I wanna say from a company 
to multi-million dollar nonprofit. That's correct. Multi-million dollars. Yeah. And, and do you have the figures? Because it's amazing. Uh, we're a $25 million nonprofit. So when it comes to nonprofit sizes in Canada, that would put us in the top 1% yeah. of nonprofits in the country. And again, we also have a foundation that, um, that I'm responsible for and um, Dashworks, which is a new program and Nurse Next Door, which is a for-profit company that we've launched to help support the work of, of Dash. So my question to you is, how critical is it to advance women in leadership roles? It's critical. Uh, you know, we have the skills. And um, I worry sometimes that we don't show those skills. There's still a certain level of shyness to speak up sometimes. And um, there's no need to be shy. We have the talents, we have the skills, we have the experience, we have the expertise, you know, and there's so much to draw on just from even, not just, from parenting, right? And being a caregiver. I mean, that alone transcends into so many careers and can open so many doors. It's about marketing yourself and believing in yourself and just really putting yourself out there. Be ready to have the door shut in your face, right? Because you have to apply and apply and try and try. Just don't take no for an answer. Just do not take no for an answer. And then we will have more women positions and we will have more women getting promoted because once people see what we can do, of course you get promoted. It's And of course it's about skill set as well, right? I'm, I'm not saying that we should be promoted or have jobs over, over you know, our opposite gender if we don't have the skills or qualifications. We do. We just don't do a great job at marketing ourselves. And um, we need to work at that. We need to find mentors in the field or other CEOs uh, that are willing to help. And, and I can tell you something, I have not heard of one female leader that has said no to mentoring somebody that's asked for help. Amazing. And I can also say that you probably had some supporters, male champions in your world. I do. I do. I've had, I've had three and, um, one goes back to being 17, 18 years of age, and he still is. And I have two other key male champions that are both CEOs. One's a founder of, of his own company or companies. And um, yes, mentors are important. And they have also helped me and pushed me. Go to Harvard. Why don't you can do it? You can do it. You know, my first answer was, no, oh, come on, right? What's the chance of getting accepted to Harvard? Right? And uh, those mentors push you. And uh, they've been wonderful in my life. And they're just a phone call away anytime I'm trying to sort through something that's new, like COVID, right? What are you doing at your company? What have I not thought of? What could we do differently? Can we role play? Because I'm having a conversation with, you know, 30 parents on, on a teleconference. And um, so mentors are so important. And uh, both female and male because men want to see us succeed as well they really want to see it and I couldn't agree more I know that with support her we've seen men that are just 
tell us how we can support and we're ready to do it because we do agree that having women at the table in high and senior um, executive positions pave the way for others to follow and the, the what they bring to the table is a completely different skill set that is really important that really is is um is so critical to the success not only the the bottom line of the company but to the um you know adding that empathy you know that relatability that there's some there's some skills that that women just bring to the table that seem to add um so much to the organization on a whole absolutely it's it's about being well-rounded and um you know both genders at the table are so important and um but we need more women and um and I encourage that and I would be one, I am one. You know, I also have a girlfriend that's been a, a wonderful mentor and supporter. So um, I'm happy to do so and I'm, I'm sure you would be. That's what you're doing now is supporting, is supporting women. And I, I love that concept and that's one of the reasons I just shared my story with you. And I want to thank you again. I, again, like so gracious. I know that it was hard um, and my thoughts were going, you know, have you shared it with your daughters or, you know, like there's going to be baby steps and I would love actually to have this conversation again with you because I have more to talk to you about how women get on boards. So we're going to end this scenario, um, this wrap up here, but I think there's more conversations that we can have that I would love to chat with you about, Karen, but I just want to say thank you so much for being so gracious with your time and having the courage to tell your story because it's truly what inspires others to get through these things and to help push each other forward um, and just your your wisdom um, is so enlightening and I, I just can't um, share with you how blessed I am that you took this time right now in this scenario with everything that you have on your plate to take this time and carve it out on this um, April 11th 2020 during a global pandemic and I am sure that when we look back and we hear this interview again we're like going you know what that was really cool that was a really cool talk during that time because out of that came this this and this right so well thank you for having me it was my absolute pleasure and um and I have the utmost respect for what you are doing Oh, well, thank you. I'm giving you a heart right now because oh, that's... I'm that. not sure if my kids can do that. Oh, I did it. Yeah. Is that how you do it? Oh. Yeah, there we go. We got it. You have nicer hands than me. <laughs> I, I've been practicing the heart thing, so... Yeah, you know what? I have to go upstairs and look at this. Just there put we my go. hands down. That is useless. Turn it around. I don't even have nail polish on anymore. Well, look at that's perfect. Hey, do you okay. like it? I yeah. think I just embarrassed my daughters if yeah. they just watch that. <laughs> So thank you again, Karen, and I look forward to sharing more, um, actually having follow-ups, because I think that we could have some really great conversations about leadership and how to help move that forward with, with for young, young women or professional women or executive women wanting to get to the CEO level, stepping outside of those comfort zones, having the courage to speak um, and lead transparent, uh, with transparent and authenticity. I would welcome that. I would be happy to do so. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much and have a great Easter weekend. Um, family Zoom time over dinner for you. <laughs> pretty uh, much. Yeah, pretty much.
right? Zoom, Zoom shares have gone up. That's all I'm going to say is that uh, that technology has really given us a blessing to keep connected. So thank you so much, Karen. I look forward to meeting you in person very soon. And thank you for sharing your story on the Woman of Inspiration podcast. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you.